Blog Talk Radio. everyone. This is Marty Oakley of the PPJ Gazette Online, and this is the TS Radio Network. I'm glad to announce that we have been picked up for syndication, and we are all over the place now. Thank you very much, and thank you to everybody who's been a guest on the show and contributed to this. We do appreciate it. Your host tonight is going to be Lawrence Lucas, and you've heard him before. You all know who he is. So, um, I'm going to turn this over to him. Lawrence has a lot he wants to talk about. He has several guests on already, and this hour and a half is going to go fast. So take it away, Lawrence. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, um, Ms. Oakley, and I'm pleased to have uh, a series of guests on with us tonight. We're going to try to take a deep dive into what's going on in rural America as it relates to the universe, uh, the the U.S. Department of Agriculture. I don't know why I want to call them universe. Um, but at any rate, and we're going to talk about some of the things that uh, people are saying out there in rural America. We are fortunate to have with us tonight uh, Ms. Carolyn Jones. Ms. Jones, are you there? Yes, I am here. How are you, Okay, Lauren? great. Uh, Ms. Carolyn Jones, we have uh, Frank Taylor, black farmer from Mississippi. And we have Ramses. Uh, hopefully, Ramses, you're there. I am here. Okay, great. Uh, Ramses is an artist uh, from California. And as a added addition, I didn't, Marty, uh, I didn't let you know, but um, there may be something coming up. Uh, maybe we can get some feedback from at the end of the show if we have time from our good friend, from the independent black farmers, Michael Stovall. So we already have him online. He's okay, already logged good. in and raring to go. Okay, well, good. Well, I want to thank all the guests, including Mr. Stovall. I want to thank uh, Marcel Reed. I want to thank. Um, I definitely want to thank Marty Oakley for allowing us to be in this space to talk about things that many people don't want to hear about. And that is the U.S. Department of Agriculture. That is how racism is continuing and sexism and other kind of abuses uh, are going on at USDA. We also going to take a look at what's going on in rural America as it, it, as it is happening in real time, how many organizations and many of our leaders have turned a blind eye to this issue. But one thing that we know, we have organizations like that organization headed up by Ms. Carolyn Jones, who was on tonight, and who is Executive Director of Minority Farms down at Alliance in uh, Mississippi. 
we know that Frank Taylor is on with us tonight, black farmer, along with his wife, has been farming uh, on the land since 18, I think that land is since family since 1877. Their farm is in Louisville, Mississippi. He has been very active in black farmer movement for years, and he's going to be with us to kind of share what he thinks about what's going on with black farmers and talk about his family to some degree and the struggle that they have been in. We have Ramses, who is an artist. I call the work he does political satire. Some people call it cartoons. But Ramsey's from California. He has uh, taken and, and taken a look at what has been going on and listening to what has been going on at the U.S. Department of Agriculture and has done a series of illustrations, uh, political satire, uh, depicting what he thinks is going on at USDA and allowing that talent of his to show through the work that he has created. And I made sure that at the last minute, I made sure that all of you all had copies of those illustrations that he's going to talk about. But I also want Mr. Ramses and you all to, at any point in time, I want you to feel very free to say, I have a question. Uh, I want to ask a question of someone on the panel or just ask a question maybe of Mr. Stovall, who may, who's uh, in the wings, who is listening also, who's been in this movement for many years, almost 30 years he's been fighting, 25, 30 years fighting USDA. And I met him many, many years ago. I became president of the USDA coalition and now uh, a representative for the Justice for Black Farmer Group. But Mr. Stovall has been a stern supporter, and he will say things that people in Washington really don't like. Uh, I think on this show, I think because it has been a show that speaks to the truth, has gotten and grown because of the subject matter, and because of the kind of people like you all tonight uh, are with us. And, Ms. Jones, I'm going to start off, and I'm going to give you the courtesy as, as a black woman in America. And I know the work that you've been doing, and I want you to share what you've been doing and why uh, just briefly. And talk about your organization and what your organization does. Talk about your family and how you got involved in this. And when I saw your picture on your bio that you sent me, I think someplace we have met because your face is very, very familiar. Uh, Carolyn Jones, Chief Executive Officer, Mississippi Minority Farmer Alliance, uh, I want you to uh, help us to understand what you're doing and why you're doing it, but also that personal touch who you are and why you are what you are and what you're doing today. Take a few minutes and share with us before we get into uh, questions and answers. Ms. Carolyn Jones, there you have the floor. 
Thank you, Mr. Lucas. Thank you so much for this opportunity, all of those who are had a uh, part in this in allowing us as black farmers to basically tell our story. In black America, we are really, really tired of other people telling our story. So this is really, this really hit home for me, and I was glad uh, to accept this opportunity. We are farmers. My husband and I have been farming since the 70s. And uh, about 10 years ago, we started an organization, Mississippi Minority Farmers Alliance. And we started that organization to assist new and beginning farmers and to also work with our youth in the community. In our communities, especially here in Mississippi, ag education has been taken out of the school system and has been, is being replaced with uh, manufacturing jobs, uh, training for manufacturing jobs. And that was really a concern to us because as we're, we're older farmers, uh, we've been in this for a long time, and we understand the importance of it. Ag education, but we also understand the importance of letting our youth know who they are and their heritage. That's not being taught anymore. It's not being taught in our school systems, and it seems as if some of our churches are even getting away from that. But that was one of the reasons that we founded this organization. And also because we had just gotten to the point of where we couldn't take it anymore as far as with the discrimination. We have been dealing with uh, USDA since the 70s. And quite frankly, I don't see any change. And I don't know if in my lifetime I will see a change. But that does not mean that I'm not going to speak up and I'm not going to be vocal about what is going on in our communities. When you look at what goes on into the black, what goes on in the black community, I think people try to separate the community from the black farmer. We're in the we're in the community. We're farmers, and we are the community. If our communities are not growing, we're not going to grow. It, it's all tied together, and it is it's a system that is put in place. Our land is devalued. What little that we still have is devalued because of the community that is in, and there are those who come into our community to assist us. But every dime that they bring into our community goes right back out to their community. What they're doing is draining our communities. And when you look at the agriculture industry, it is even worse. So there are changes that are going to have to be made, and I don't know I Frank can probably talk a lot more about this, but at some point, you know, you get tired, and then you get uh, energized again, then you get tired again, then you get energized again. And I think that that's the game that USDA likes to play. You know, they'll put a little bit out here, they say they're going to do this, then they'll take it back on the other side. And what I would like to see and what I have been really motivated by is black farmers coming together from communities all across the United States to tell their story. And that shows that we will not be quiet any longer. There's a story to be told, and we will tell it. We are taxpayers. We're not begging anybody for anything. And I think that's one of the perceptions that definitely needs to be addressed. Because when you have elected officials, when you have telling the story, it always comes out as, 
black farmers, here they come again. They're begging. They want a handout. Same thing they say about our communities. I don't beg anybody for anything. I am over 65 years old, and I pay taxes all my life. The United States and SDA owe me something, and I want what is owed to me. I was able, when I was younger, I grew up with my great-grandmother for six years who was born a slave. That land is still in our family. Fifth of that land was taken years ago before I was born by a white man who wanted it. And what we were told as children was that it was two brothers, and my great-granddaddy worked on a plantation to buy my great-grandmother. He and his brother were blacksmiths, and they bought 100 acres of land together. They were able to amass that amount of land. And there was a white man whose land was behind their land. He wanted the 50 acres, what we call the new ground, and we still call it the new ground today. And we still claim it as our land, although we don't own it. We don't have a deed to it, but we know it was our land. He wanted the land, so one of the sharecroppers on another piece of land heard in town that they were going to say he had made a pass at a white lady in town, and they were coming to get him. He got that information to my great-granddaddy's brother, and they got him out of Mississippi, and he never stepped foot back in Mississippi again. And when he was sent his money to pay the taxes, they refused to take the money. So the land was taken for not paying the taxes. Those are the things that went on back then. It's not that much different now. If they want our land, they take it. They take it through adverse possession. They take it through enemy domain. Or they just flat out take it. So what we have to understand is what we're fighting and who the enemy is. And once you understand that, then you can put together a game plan of what you need to do. And you have to educate your people. We have got to stay together, and we have got to educate ourselves on the rules and the laws. Because when you get in court, if that law is against you, you're going to lose. So education, again, is the key. And we have received federal funding in our organization, but the majority of the federal funding that we we received allows you to provide technical assistance to your farmers. You can only go so far with technical assistance. Technical assistance does not allow you to own land. And you are limited to what you can do with that technical assistance. But there are so, so many other things that can be done if we had the same opportunities as other farmers other white farmers, and I, I think I'll leave it at that because I there's a lot more that I want to say, but I know there are other uh, there are others on here that need to make their statements, and so I will uh, kind of leave it at that. And Mr. Lucas, I hope I kind of answered what you asked. I want to thank you. You did, in fact, answer a lot of the questions and a wonderful introduction. You'll get a chance to. Uh, during the conversation, you'll get a chance to talk about some of those additional things that you feel strongly about because I'm I'm sure that uh, Frank Taylor, um, farmer from uh, Mississippi, will add to that. But before I introduce him, I'd like for you to hear something. 
I really didn't fall. I couldn't fall. They took away the one thing that I really loved, and that was farming. That's what the USDA did. He showed me a big tarp that had the words on it, nigger, go home. He took the lack of commitment by too many people, not really caring whether we did justice or not. Even as long as it's been, you know, we've experienced discrimination for a very, very long time, and most people would have given up. Uh, to this date, I haven't given up, and I never will give up, you know, until justice is served. That's what my daddy would always say. He says I wasn't in trouble for anything. Everything was fine until I went up to defend my dad. And he says, what was I supposed to do? He says, I'm a man, and that's my daddy. I'm supposed to defend him. He said, don't let USDA take my It was like anybody else, but just don't let you let the man. And we've done that. Nobody else has taken it either. But for sure, the USDA would never get it. Quite frankly, I say that the United States Department of Agriculture yep. murdered, murdered them, my mother and father and my brother. Every time I hear this, this tape, this is a... A excerpt from a long documentary that was made possible by our good friend uh, Gary Grant of Tillery, North Carolina. But I want to say that the excellent work that was put into this by Sean Hill and by our Dr. Wayman Henson depicts in a very short piece, and I and I hope you all heard, heard it. Did it did it come in clear? Were you all able yes. to hear? Yes, we heard it. Okay, well, great. Um, it's a very moving piece, and I and and Dr. Henson, who is uh, part of the Justice for Black Farmer group, uh, who has done so much work on this. And Gary Grant, who is a farmer, which I I met around 1995 at a demonstration in front of USDA, made this possible. And thankfully, we have a documentary that's traveling around talking about black farmers. But there's nothing like talking to you all, talking to a live farmer, black women farmers, black men farmers, heirs of black farmers, to talk about and have a venue such as this show and others, Speak the Truth, uh, produced by Harold Bell out of Washington and uh, um, Gary from uh, Black Men in America. We have people that care about you, and I want you to know that you are not alone in this struggle. And I would now like to have Frank Taylor, a black farmer, along with his wife, has been farming on the land for a long time. But Mr. Taylor 
in talking with him, I found out he doesn't just care about black farmers. He care about him being a black farmer and his his neighborhood, but he is also concerned about black farmers in this country. And he is very outspoken in that degree. So Louisville, Mississippi, uh, and Frank Taylor, I want to thank you for being on the show tonight. And by the way, uh, Ms. Jones, I thought your presentation and overview was great. So, Frank Taylor, I'm going to have you to come on and tell us what you think is going on in this country. Tell us what the struggle you've had in order to get to where you are today and and how black farmers suffer while white farmers get all the programs and services from USDA. Now, another point that I thought was very interesting, and we'll talk about it, and if I forget to bring it up, I want one of you all. Um, Dwayne Goldman came to a conference, your conference, Ms. Jones, and I think we heard that he said that um, Secretary Vilsack is creating a level playing field. So, uh, Frank Taylor, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on, and let's hear from you. All right. Good afternoon, and I want to thank the listening audience, and I want to thank you, Mr. Lucas, for inviting us to participate on your program tonight. Yes, I am a black man from Louisville, Mississippi, and my family started ownership and land in 1877. So we've been on our family land for 146 years. And it is my ultimate goal when I come back, Mr. Lucas, 200 years later, that the farm still exists and still be in the ownership of our family. The only way we can do that is what myself, Carolyn, and others are doing here in rural America by advocating for black farmers to be able to sustain and operate their farm just as others. Uh, being a, a black man here in the state of Mississippi, and I want to make this point very eloquently. This is 2023, but I feel like I'm still living in 1963. Let me say that one more time. It is 2023, but it feels like 1963, 60 years ago. Nothing has changed overall African Americans in these United States of America. We are still fighting the same fight over and over again. I am at the point, I'm tired of fighting. I'm I'm ready to take it to the next level in order for us as African American farmers, black farmers, to retain ownership. What is that keeps me and Carolyn and others motivated daily? Just an example, last week here in the state of Mississippi, we had several conferences and conference calls. There was a young lady on one of the calls, and she heard about the CSP program and the sign-up. CSP is a, a continuous, for people who may not know, but that's a continuous program at NRCS. You can sign up at any time. But in the state of Mississippi, we have a ranking period. So our ranking period was 
deadline is February the 9th. She was on the call, and she went to the office the next day and wanted to sign up, fill out an application for TSP. And the person in the office told her that the deadline passed on October 15th. Now, how, how could this person work for USDA not know the current deadline for the ranking period cutoff is February 9th? And he told the person no. At the end of every call, Mr. Lucas, I tell individuals, call me if you have a problem. That's why I pay my phone bill. And she called me and explained to me what happened. But I had to get on the phone, call that person. But more than likely, uh, Ms. Lucas, I'm going to get in my truck and drive down there in person and deliver the mail to this gentleman because he shouldn't have to do this in 2023. Again, 2023 looks just like 1963. So we have to continue to work and to aggregate all our resources together just to keep the doors open. I was so sad on yesterday. One of our farmers, in which he had reached of age, and he said, Frank, my wife and I are going to have to sell our farm. Yeah, they still owe some indebtedness on it. And they were counting on, they had a direct loan, where they were hoping that that would have been completely paid off. But however, we were once again failed by the United States of America, especially the Department of Agriculture. We were promised and they were looking forward with that promise. So now they will have to sell the farm, and I'm sad by that. And these are the common issues that we are encountering every day. Myself, Carol, and Chris, her, her husband, we're not, uh, the bureaucrat says, there in D.C., we're not in the Beltway. We're down here in Mississippi putting our hands in the soil and around our people on a daily basis to keep these people Engaged. I have an officer will be 100. He actually 100 now, but we're going to celebrate his birthday in a few days on February the 23rd, 100 years old, and he's still farming. Just the other day, Mr. Lucas, we purchased 200 pounds of fertilizer, which is four bags, and each one of the bags costs. $14 per bag, $56. And we carried it to my uncle. And he said, boy, I got one more year to do this. This is a man who had lived through 18 presidents. This is a man probably had witnessed 3,000 African-Americans lynched. The Vietnam War. The election of President Obama. And here it is. 2023, and he's experiencing what he did when he was born in 1923. It's time out. We got to get this done yesterday, not tomorrow, but we got to get this done yesterday for our people in order for us to continue and engage in, in this process we call farming. That's who we are, Ms. Lucas.
Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Um, the only thing I can say is that here again, we've heard from rural America about what's going on. It breaks my heart, brings almost tears to my eyes to know that we hear in Washington from our political leaders, from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, uh, even from this White House, that uh, we are being our issues and concerns of rural America, black America being addressed. Um, you, you've taken my breath away. And it's difficult uh, to know that this is still going on. But even before you said what you said, I know of many farmers that are having the same problem. While we have people in Washington, and some of those people look just like us, telling us that everything is fine at USDA. Tom Philsap is doing a fine job. But we know in rural America what is happening. And I'm sorry to hear it, but there's a solution to it, and I think we need to be talking about that later on. Uh, thank you for your very moving comments. Uh, that's the only thing I can say. Um, I'm going to introduce now Ramses, artist from California, who has become engaged with drafting and coming up with political satire to depict what's going on in Washington now and in the past. And he's going to tell us about why he's engaged. And, and we're going to talk uh, back and forth because we have an hour and a half tonight and give him an opportunity to, to ask questions of you, and we can ask questions of each other. But, Ramses, I want to welcome you again to the show. I've seen a recent illustration, uh, political satire, which invoked the Ku Klux Klan as it relates to what's going on at USDA today. I want to thank you for coming on again, uh, and I hope to have you on many other times. Ramses, um, I would like for you to tell us how you got involved in this and what you see from Los Angeles, who is not a farmer living in an urban uh, L.A. area somewhere out there. And the one thing I can say is that you're feeling the pain. You're feeling the struggle because I saw it in your in your in your very uh clear artwork that you shared with us. Ramses from California, thank you again for coming on and please share with uh, our listening public about what you think and what you feel and what you are hearing and what you think we should do. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you, Mr. Lawrence. Um, let me start off by 
saying that, um, you know, I was introduced to what was happening. The only information I ever got about what was happening with the black farmers was coming out of the newspapers or the, uh, the television. It wasn't until Attorney Tracy informed me on what was really going on down there in the South and probably here in California also about how the U.S. government have been, has been basically um, discriminate, discriminating against black farmers and black people for over 100 years. I mean, you went from, you know, you, today is only 1.4% of black farmers that are still working compared to 14% 100 years ago. And that, you know, I think it's important that, you know, the word gets out. And what little I can do with my cartoons is, and I think other artists will probably jump on jump on board once this gets out there. Cartoon can say a thousand words, I mean, can tell, tell a thousand stories. And I think uh, the folks down there in the South, they need to tell me what they need because I can base it on what I what I'm reading and come up with a cartoon or illustration that will say something. And I don't think I'm not somebody who puts a lot of words to a cartoon. I like to make the cartoon say pretty much speak for itself. You look at it, you tell me what you think it's saying because sometimes you get more out of it that way than me trying to put words you know, into the cartoon. But I think it's very important that the folks down in Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, they tell me what they need. What What is important to be illustrated so people can see it in a way that makes them stop and think? You know, the U.S. government discriminating for so many years, it's, it's almost like second nature to them. And what Voltag is doing, you know, you know, you you you've allowed. I mean, the U.S. Congress allowed Voltag to distribute five billion dollars to debt relief program to the farmers, and to this to this day, they're letting people basically uh, lose their land, die before they can get any kind of relief, and that's just not, you know, it's not right. And I think by her bringing it to my attention because I've I've been an artist for over over forty years and been cartooning for probably about at least thirty five to forty years. But you know, um, I just need to know what you guys need me to do because you know I'm you know I've always been someone who focused on the underdog to bring light to what they need because when something happened in my community here. And the guy came in here and he was talking about how he, he knew what the, what you people need. And we said, you people? What do you mean what you people need? And I said, you're dealing with artists and poets and filmmakers. And do you have, have any idea that once we start, you know, putting out images and, and writings on what you're saying, you know, this guy is out of office to, to this day because what, what these cartoons and what the filmmakers did about him talking about us. That same thing can can be brought to the attention to people out all over the country with illustrations, with films, with documentaries, but you got to get it out there. Um, I'll stop there. Do you guys have any questions or you have a, um, something you want me to talk of, you know, uh, to enhance on? Let me know. Uh, I'm working on right now. Three, I'm working on three cartoons right now as we speak. 
um, that I'm going to probably send to, to Attorney Tracy tomorrow so she can see what if this is where they want to go with them. Um, one is called an, an, an analogy of a USDA department head. And when you see it, you're going to say, oh, wow. How many how many more do you have in the can? Is that the only one? I'm working on I'm working on three right now. I'm working on three right now. But the uh, thing, can can I, you share with us uh, share with us a little bit of what those three, and then I'm then I'm going to ask you some questions about the others. Uh, the one I'm working on right now is called Anatomy of a Volsac. And what it is is it's a cartoon of him standing up there looking at you and all these lines are going towards different parts of his body indicating uh, what's happening. In part, I'll give you just one quick example. I hope I can say this on the air. But one line is going straight to his mouth, and, he, and it has him saying, lying lips and a shit-eating grin. Wow. Wow. Um, I'm looking at the, and I want to thank you for your comments, and I want to thank all three of you all. I, I want to kind of get in a dialogue. But I'm going to be asking some questions, but since I have you on now, I'm looking at, and I shared this uh, very late today, I sent it to, if you all, if any of you all have a computer in front of you, I sent you all a copy of um, what Ramses has done in terms of the depicting uh, the cartoons. Um, I'm going to be looking one, and if you all go to your computer, you'll see what I'm talking about. I would like to know, uh, Mr. Ramses, uh, let me know what you mean in the one that deals with American Gothic. That one was um, the black farmer, and he had his mule looking at him, uh, and it was done in the same format of American Gothic, the uh, uh, picture that, that was done back in the 40s. And what I was trying to predict, predict in the cartoon was, here it is, a black man in 2023, and he still got... A, He's still doing with a mule, whereas uh, the other, you know, white farmers were getting brand new tractors, getting their loans uh, uh, forgiven, and here this man is still, you know, dealing with his mule and his mule looking at him like, hmm, uh, 40 acres and a mule, huh? Okay, there there was another one. What is the the one below that? Uh, describe that in the title. I don't know which one it is. You said okay. below it. Um, the, is that the, um, what about the one with the 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 lady and the man in the background with the fork? Is that the Gothic one? I thought it was. Yeah, because I mean, there's one where. Gordon Parks did a photograph of a black woman cleaning the office. 
and it's always it's always seems to be the black women are always cleaning up behind behind everybody. And what I was saying there on that particular drawing was that here it is. You have the Amer- U.S. government with the flag turned upside down, and here it is another black woman cleaning up behind Rosak because he has he has people in his office that come out to uh, uh, conventions or to rallies. And he has black folks talking about how good he's doing his job. And, you know, it's, it's always sending somebody out there that looks like you to defend what, you, what you're doing, even though you know you're not doing the right thing. And you don't see his face. You see this black face in front of you. So that was with the black woman still cleaning up behind um, what um, politicians are doing. Um, okay. What about the one uh, – um, with uh, in the depicting uh, Vilsap on the farm and with a hose with relief uh, coming out of the hose and the burning. And uh, I noticed that uh, there's a lady looking out the window and there's a farmer raising his hand. What was, what was the idea behind that one? That one was that here, here it is, you call somebody out to help you with relief to help put out a fire, which is basically your, your, your debt, your farm, your uh, the things you need to buy for the farm, and yet you have somebody coming out there, and they're standing on the hose to stop the relief, to stop the flow of the relief, and you see that he's not putting the fire out, and what's coming out of the hose isn't, isn't water. It's basically more fuel to help keep burning the farm, and the farmer's out there looking at him, and the woman's screaming like, I didn't want to put words in her mouth, but she's—you know, can pretty much tell what she's saying to him. Wow. Okay, I'm going to come back to some of the other cartoons. I want to thank you for describing it, and I want you to uh, um, please stay on, and because I will be calling you back to address some of the others. But I'd like for you also to uh, participate in this conversation. I'm going okay. back to Mrs. Jones and Mr. Taylor. One thing, when you all had a your conference, many, there were many people that were sitting in the audience. Um, what did you think? Did did the people from Washington that came down? Uh, do you feel as though? they were sensitive to the problem, um, or were they just uh, giving speeches uh, to pacify those farmers? Um, the other question I'd like to you, uh, Ms. Jones, how many farmers attended your conference and in, in, in how many states you think were represented, Ms. Taylor? Hello? Are you want me to go first, Frank? Yes, Ms. Carolyn Jones. I'm sorry, Ms. Carolyn Jones. Okay. Uh, we had 162 in attendance at the conference. And uh, they were from Alabama, Georgia, and Florida, along with Mississippi. Okay. And, and, go ahead. No, I was I was just going to answer the other question, and um, 
one of the reasons that we do our conferences is that we don't like speak for officials of USDA. We like to have them there for the farmers and tell the farmers what they can do for the farmers. And that's one of the things that we've always tried to do because I think that it's best if you've got something to tell or if you've got something to sell, then you do it face-to-face. And that's one of the reasons that we invite them to our conferences. Well, uh, uh, Lawrence, I'd like to add in, chime in on that in terms of the people uh, that may represent the different agencies uh, from USDA, especially from the federal level. Uh, these people are, are, are place keepers. These individuals have no power to make any decision other than just uh, being there to talk about the services that are available, uh, what are the perspectives, but no one is there to make a prominent uh, solution and create something positive for those individuals that we already know. So uh, I'm thinking that we need to have individuals who have some authority, and authority starts at the very top in order to get this done. Uh, we stated earlier, we have had conversations, we have had meetings, and we have had revivals, and we have passed the hat. And now it's time for us to enact legislation, uh, legislation that's already been passed. It's time for us to put it into action to get it done for individuals. Uh, Mr. Lucas, the old people are standing in the checkout line, and we won't want these people to continue to stand in the checkout line without getting some proceeds, something meaningful that they have worked for through their lifetime. And well, do we know? Go ahead, go ahead, Ms. Jones. And Mr. Lucas. Yes, go ahead. We also feel that nobody can speak for Vilsack except Vilsack. And it looks as if Vilsack has a position. And apparently he doesn't have a boss. Because what we're talking about, this this legislation, legislation has gone through the entire system to become law. Mine is a law by the president. Bill Sachs is the head of USDA. So it is his job, his directive, to implement this legislation. He has not done so. So who does he answer to? That's one of the questions that our farmers are asking. We can't get him to do anything. So who's his boss? Who can get Vilsack to do his job? That's what our farmers want to know. Well, to answer that question uh, very quickly would be his boss is the president of the United States, Joe Biden. Uh, he's the one who has the authority with or without Bill Sack, he has the authority 
to send someone down to to USDA, just like President Clinton did. He made sure that those farmers begin redress and settle the Pigfoot claim. We are having a situation now where that is not the case. Vilsap is doing pretty much, and you describe what he's doing by not bringing forth the legislation, which, by the way, was passed by. Originally, this effort started with Senator Elizabeth Warren, and and it was then given to and was picked up by Senator Booker and then Senator Warnock. We know, and we've been meeting our group, uh, Lloyd Wright, uh, Tracy Lloyd McCurdy, and Dr. Henson have been meeting for months now. Even going back to the transition team, we were talking before, during the transition period, before Biden even walked in the White House. And we were talking about debt relief for farmers. Now, there are a lot of people around and a lot of organizations and a, and a, a lot of so-called leaders will tell you that uh, they worked on it. And I think uh, Dwayne Goldman will tell you the same. But uh, that legislation was came to being because you had four people in a room who cared about black farmers, who care about the 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 um, I would say the dysfunctionality of civil rights, how it treats women, how you can't get jobs because of your color or because of your age. Um, that came about because the Justice for Black Farmer group fought for it. Um, and we're sadly sad to say that uh, we are as disappointed as you are. Um, it's, it's also strange to me that when these people come out of Washington, it, it's assumed that they're telling you the truth. Now, what we're hearing from organizations that get plenty of money from USDA, that Vilsap is doing a fine job. That's what, not what I'm hearing from you all. Uh, it's not what I'm hearing from employees. I'm not what I'm hearing for women who have been sexually abused and nothing done about it, and nobody held accountable. Nobody's holding anybody accountable. There's no transparency with this administration. We've come to the conclusion that I don't believe Vilsap is capable of doing anything to improve the condition of black farmers in rural America. We feel very strongly about that. And it is the job of the president. So what can you all do? What, let's come up with some solutions. What can you all do? What are your recommendations that should be, doing, that should be done with organizations such as yours, Ms. Um, Jones? And you've done, I've heard a lot about it, and I've done some reading. Uh, Ms. Carolyn Jones, you've done a miraculous job down there in Mississippi. And you have groups of people 
are willing to support you. Uh, it's quite obvious that you have people that care about what's going on. What are some of the solutions? Because what we are hearing from Washington is that, and I'll say it again, and I think um, this may have been said down at your conference last week, that there's a level, uh, Vilsap is, uh, is creating a level playing field. Is that true? Um, do you all feel as though that is true? And, and, and Ms. Jones, I'd like for you to go first. Okay, well, in order to answer that, then I have another question. A level playing field for who? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not for the black farmers. So who is it a level playing field for? Are we talking white farmers? Are we talking farmers that don't look like black farmers? Because they're, they're, anybody, a blind person can see that there is not a level playing field for black farmers. Has never, there never has been one, and I don't believe that there is a plan for there to be one. So, no, I, 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 I've not seen that. I do not agree with that statement. In my opinion, as a farmer and as a black female farmer, there's no level playing field with USDA for me. Mr. Taylor, um, I would like for you to respond to that. Well, absolutely. Now, um, think about the question you asked, what can we do? And I say, we can. And I look at and just, just suppose another year will be an election year. I heard that the individuals that's occupying 2,500, whatever that is, there in D.C., the White House, President Biden is considered, considering running for re-election. Well, understanding politics, if I remember correctly, that how he was juxtaposed to the front of the line was that when he won in South Carolina. So I'm going to call on Representative Jim Clyburn to help us, along with our senior representatives, Bennett, I mean, Representative Bennett Thompson, Representative Scott, and others to help us to ask President Biden, a matter of fact, tell President Biden to have Bill Sack to do his job. Then if he's not capable of doing his job, then let's get some people in position who can pull the trigger and get it done for our farmers, black farmers here in the United States of America. That's, if you want to leverage something, let's leverage this political power and get it done. That's what other people do. We can do the same thing. And if that is done, we have smart people, whether they're there, individuals like you, Mr. Wright, and others, can help us, not only help us develop a plan, we already have a plan. So we just need to make this thing proactive and get it done. We don't need to be going back and having conversation. We need action. Now. What do you, what do you think farmers, what do the both of you all think 
and Ramsey, you can chime in as well. Uh, what do you think that the farmers should be doing uh, together in order to make uh, things better for for black farmers and, and, and those farmers? We're talking about the generation now, but we're also talking about the generations to come. What can be done or what do you think, the both of you all think, should be done by black farmers, by your, by your fellow black farmers around the country and, and many of those who attended? What kind of feedback did they give you and what do you all think that we should be doing or, or black farmers should be doing together? Let me, oh, let me wanna, weigh in real quick. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, I was going to say this. This, this is Ramesses in Los Angeles. One, one of the things that I have seen, and I, I seem to know that it, it seems to work, is that when people get together and they convince younger people to get involved into what this, what is going on here, and get a movement to the point where we march, we protest, we get out there, we we send out letters, we send out you know cartoons. Uh, we send out paperwork to keep people. Is, the whole thing is that it is out of sight, out of mind, because you know we we are we are all Americans, and this is an American problem where America has allocated the help for black farmers, but yet they seem to to forget that black people are Americans also. We've been out we've been out here feeding feeding our country, feeding the world, and yet. When it comes back, comes down to basically helping to relieve some of the debt that that has, you know, we have brought upon us from all this, you know, uh, the work we've been doing, we we're, we're forgotten about. We have to keep it on the on the forefront. We got to keep it in the front, on the newspapers and the, the magazines. Got to educate these college students to, to stand up and say something about it. It's about keeping the word out there. Now, maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm not the right person to be speaking about it because I'm not in, I'm not there in the South. I'm in California, and but we need to be able to recognize and support our black farmers. Good evening. Can I chime in? Yes. My name is Michael Stovall. I'm a black farmer here in Alabama. I've been fighting discrimination for 30 years. We didn't see Barack Obama came and go. Bills have been there for, for 10, 11 years now. He's not going to do anything to address the issue of black farmers. We're going to have to band together, go to Washington, fight for our rights. Because we didn't see too many black farmers died in the United States of America trying to get justice, losing land one farm at a time. We can't set back and allow this to continue to happen. We need to band together, go to Washington, and fight for justice. If we don't, we're going to end up losing more farms, each one by one, state by state. And that's what's been going on for many decades. I have a finding of discrimination, and I've been fighting the USDA for 30 years. I was 29 years old when I got in this fight. 
I'm almost 60 years old now. I didn't see many farmers die marching behind that mule in Washington, D.C. We have got legislation passed on our behalf. We need to go and get our money. And we need to go and demand to give the 15 million acres of land that they were only taking from these black farmers back to these black farmers. I'm sick and tired of people looking like me and you sitting up there getting a check and we steady losing farmland because of discrimination under this agency. We need to hold Biden accountable because Bill Stop is not going to do a damn thing but tell a lie. He's known to lie, he's known to cheat, and he can do anything to keep his seat. He'll give people with agency uh, organizations money to keep them hush-hush. That's what he does. So he can steadily allow black farmers to lose their land. We got to stop this. Now is the time to fight for justice and get justice. Because Bill Sapp is not going to do the right thing. I don't care if they tie his ass to the pole and, and, and whoop his ass, he's still not going to do the right thing. We need to stop and realize we going to have to stand up as black people in the United States of America to get justice. Thank you very much. I agree. Thank you. Um, um, okay. Uh, I would like to get this. Uh, I would, that's opening uh, a big door to climb in, but uh, uh, Frank Taylor and, and Ms. Jones, what do you all think about what uh, what uh, Ramses has said and what um, Michael Stovall from Alabama has just said? Either one of you all can go first. Hello, Ms. Jones. Yes. Uh, um, yes, uh-huh. Okay. Well, I would, I would, I'm always opening the door to the lady first. Okay, I'll, and, I, and I appreciate that. That it is very important that we stand firm and we stand together. Being together is going to give us more power, but I think that there has to be a strategic plan in place for us to do what we need to do. And I think we all know what we need to do. And I think that there there is a plan that's being formulated. And sometimes the enemy doesn't need to know what you're doing. But I am totally in agreement that we must do something and we must do it now. I'm too old to wait again. I don't want to wait anymore. I look at what my children, my grandchildren are losing out on. Other races, nationalities are growing while our communities are dying. And, it's, I mean, it is just totally, totally time out for us. We will not accept it anymore. And when you get fed up with something you don't accept it, then that's when change happens. And I think we're at that point. Okay, Mr. Taylor. Frank, are you there? Yeah. Can you hear me now? I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. I I know when we get to muting the phones, uh, sometimes it takes a little while to get get back in. I I would like to hear from you. Oh, yeah. Well, most certainly, uh, and I stated earlier, it's going to take the collectively us on the ground 
and collectively those people that who represent us, who fully have our better interests, is to work this thing collectively to get it done. It's going to take on all in. So I'll say he's 60. Well, I'm, I'll be 65 in a few days. So I'm just as concerned as anybody that's on the phone. I mean, I've been at this thing a long time myself, so I've been at uh, since the late 80s working on this process. And that's why I have not changed my attitude. That's why I stay here on the ground to work with these people directly every day to get it done. I have invested in those individuals, some individuals who they are representing our interests, but not all people, to get this done. And so, therefore, yes, I'm in support of that. Okay. Okay. Well, I was looking for more specific. Um, do you have any specific ideas how we should approach it, uh, Frank? Do I have any specific? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I got some ideas that we need to per se organize ourselves per se, and from Oklahoma up to Delaware, have a collective point where we meet. And so I let the picture that we won't change that. Well, I think that uh, there's some ideas floating around about that. Um, uh, the, the biggest problem we have is, is that uh, I think that we need to uh, have a co- cohesive agenda to move forward and talk to those people, uh, for example, on Sunday, this coming Sunday, and I think you all have um, the flyer, the email on the Zoom call where we're going to have farmers and speaking together about what needs to be done. And I believe, and Tracy McCurdy, uh, Lloyd Wright, and uh, Dr. Henson feel as though we're we're there to help you. But I think that it's it's it, it's important that farmers come together and stand together. And uh, there's an old thing out there saying everybody your skin ain't your friend. We understand that, and I also understand uh, what Ms. Jones said, that uh, we need to plan and organize and do something together, and you don't let everybody know what your plan is, but I think there's a point in time that they need to know in Washington. They need to know our political leaders that claim that they care about black farmers and black people in this country. Um, The silence from our black leaders, political and otherwise, and I'm talking about all these organizations, have been, uh, their silence is deafening about what is going on. You have a a media that's so, that, that is, that it spends all its time on Trump and 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 it spends all its time on on a dysfunctional congressional process 
than to pay attention to a group of people in this country that made this country what it is today. We should not allow them to ignore us. We should demand, just like young people got on the street in Black Lives Matter, Black Farmers Matter, too. And we need to do something about it, but we need to do it together. I think there, I think there are a lot of people around this country that do not know or understand what is happening to black farmers. I talked to black men in America, Gary Johnson, and he said that uh, most of the people he talked to said that they thought the black farmers doing fine. That's because we have not made this a national issue. With the elections coming up in 2023, we can't wait that long. We need the money and the legislation to be implemented to the T and demand that the money that these congressional representatives, Cory Booker, Warnock, Elizabeth Warren, pushed for and got this legislation on the book, we need to demand that that money be paid to these black farmers. There's no reason why any black farmer should be losing their land when we are supposed to be getting debt relief. And that debt relief is being held up by Tom Vilsap and the administration there at USDA, and some of those people look like us. So what do we do? Do we, do we come on these shows and talk about it and walk away? I don't think that's going to happen this time around. What do you all think? I, I want kind of more pointed answers. What do you think can, we should be doing, Ms. Jones? Lawrence, can, can I say something? Yes. Uh, recently I saw an article. This is Marty, everyone, producer, about Vilsack possibly being considered for a transfer to another agency. And the reason for that is and it had something to do with, like, Homeland Security. And it's something along that line. And... The reason for this is, as near as I could tell, was because there is so much opposition to this man heading up USDA. There was a huge fight um, across the board. Even NPR was doing shows on why this man should not be heading up USDA, considering his record during the Obama administration. And so I'm watching to see what's going to happen there, because they're going to have to bail him out. Now, what that tells me... If something is in the wind, there's something cooking, they want him out of that agency before it comes to light. The other thing is, and I've said this before, and I hope I don't upset anyone, but you need to find out who is getting this land. There, There is somebody on the receiving end of this, and that'll tell you the tale, and I keep thinking Bill Gates is going to pop up. Um, but somebody is getting this land, and is it in a... A, a special area, is it like in clusters of farms that are being taken, or is it just here and there sporadic? But the answers are in the tail end of this, and that's who you're actually fighting. Vilsack is just the front man, but like I say, my instincts tell me, and after decades and all this stuff, there's something brewing, and they're trying to get him out of the way before it blows so somebody else can take the fall, and there was no mention of who might replace him. 
I can only suppose it's going to be someone worse. But those are things to consider in all of this, I think. Just my opinion. Thank you, Marty. Ms. Jones. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm here. Yes. Uh, uh, can you add, add to this conversation? Uh, I tell you what, Mr. Lawrence, I am simply tired of being tired, if you know what I mean. I'm I'm tired of the lies, you know. I, right now, I am so upset and mad that I feel like I really need to guard what I say, because I don't want what I say to hurt anything or any process that may be going on that's going to get our farmers relief. I have my personal opinion about a whole lot of things, a whole lot of people, but in my heart, I do not believe that black farmers will receive justice. I, I do not believe that. I have I've heard the lies. I've seen the results of those lies, and I haven't seen any changes. And it doesn't matter who occupies the White House. It does nothing for the black farmer. It does nothing for our black community. So there's going to have to be a lot of changes within our community and the mindset within our community. You know, nobody's going to come and save us. You know what I mean? We've had so many presidents, so many elected officials. Everybody's going to save the black person. Everybody's going to save the black man. Everybody's going to save the black community. Our communities are the worst they've ever been. If that's what they call saving us, then they need to leave us alone. So I'm not, I'm not optimistic about anything that I hear. There was words that Bill Sack was going to resign, that Bill Sack was this, that Bill Sack was that. I refuse to give Bill Sack that much control over my life. I am sick and I am tired of the Bill Sack drum. If we're not going to do anything, then we need to shut the heck up. And that, I mean, I, you know, I'm not fussing or anything, but that is the way I feel as a farmer who has been discriminated against for over 30 years. I am sick and I am tired of it. Ms. Lucas, from the porch where you sit, and being a former employee of USDA, understanding how the rigs work, what is that we are missing as farmers from the porch where you were as an employee? You know how it works up there. What is it? What is that Lawrence we missing got- that you guys know? Lawrence got bumped offline. He'll call back in. I'm not surprised that happened. Uh, Go ahead, Alex. Well, I mean, I want to know. I mean, these guys have had experience there in D.C. and know how the system works on the inside. We are, as farmers, are the ones who are advocating for the change. (laughs) If you've been there, what do you suggest that all of us do collectively together? I know we look at a time clock, and we're looking at 2024. That's an election year. So if we don't get nothing done right about now, not later, I understand about 
the gentleman in Alabama about organizing. We already organized. Right. We have people that's already there. Either we do this or either we don't. That's why we got individuals that we voted for. They are sitting there, creating policy, passing policy, and helping to enact policy. And the job wow. we're down here every day on the ground. Right. Trying to help preserve the people that we do have. What the hell we got to turn around, then go up there and tell the people how to do their damn job? <laughs> now, that's crazy. Well, you know, one of the things well, here, the old... uh, that, that confuses yeah. everything is the media, with government help, of course, is pushing this as simply reparations. Um, this is what they're talking about, and this is what so many people think. Oh, this is reparations. They want reparations. They don't talk about the black farmer issue being a separate issue. They blend it all together, and this is what the public thinks when they hear about this. So I think that's one of the things that maybe you need to uh, press on is separating this from what they call reparations and that this is a whole different issue, although they're trying to make it one so that the public will turn against you. That's exactly what it is. Well, Lawrence, you back? They, yeah, I'm, I'm back. They uh, keep on with the conversation. They got reparations when they got 160 acres of land grant, and we didn't get right. the 40 acres in, in the meeting. All right? There you go. So, but see, this is what I'm saying. I, the public I, I, is thinking it's all one and the same thing, that the black farmer no, issue well, is part of this reparation thing, and it isn't. And you've got to separate that. You've got to make sure the public yeah. understands this is a separate issue. Yeah, well, Go ahead. I, I mean, I might take issue with you. It, it's not an issue. It's whether they would do what is required and what's necessary. That's right. the answer. It, it, it's no issue. Just do your right. job. That's all it is. Just do your job. Well, they, they're they not going to do their job until, until we put some pressure on them. We've been fighting I mean, this mess but, for many but, years, but, 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 and they refuse to but, do the right thing. Is that Hold on, uh, Stovall. Y- yes, uh, Mr. Taylor? Oh, that Mr. Stovall. I'm sorry, sir, but all the thing, it, it, I'm, I'm looking at time. I'm looking back, 1991, 1996, 1997, 2004, 2009. I got to do this all over again. Yes, sir. We've been doing it. We've been doing this, and we're going to have to continue to do it until we get and that $5 billion was on the table going to be gone. We're going to have to stand up and come together and go to Washington and protest in front of the White House, go to Congress and protest and do a press conference in both of them, let them know we're still out here and we're waiting to get paid. And we want to get paid based on the damages that they created, not on a half a million dollars. Half a million dollars came to a damn thing for a black farmer today. We need to be given the land back that they took from a lot of these farmers, and $500,000 will not buy that land back. Uh, right. uh, hold on. Um, uh, Mr. Taylor, you have, you want to add to that? I was just saying, Mr. Soval, we're on the clock. You're right. If we don't get this done now, 
another administration. I mean, but again, how many more times? I understand that. But how many more times? When you got, we got all the electronics in the world. Anything that we need is at your fingertips. We just got to make these folks do their job. Well, let me tell you this, Taylor. We've been in this fight a long time. But we got more on the table right now than we ever had. So we got to go forward and push what we got on the table and demand to be paid out to these farmers. And we don't need the Secretary of Agriculture to get up there and tell more lies and make more promises and then this year be gone. We need somebody like the the somebody organization that can go through these send them over to the Treasury Department to for be to be paid. We got to figure out a way that these cases will not sit out there for the next two years and die on the pole. We got to do that. But we're going to have to go to Washington very soon to demand justice for these black farmers. If not, we're going to steady lose land. Because we get down in September and October, we didn't forget. It's gone. We got to go as soon as we can to get to Washington and do a protest and sit down and on the hill and let them know what we want to be done. We got to. Oh, thank you very much. I think I would like to have, uh, Ramses, you've been uh, pretty silent. You live in urban America, and you've been listening to the pain and suffering, and you have heard it on this phone call. Ramses, from, from, a, from an urban standpoint, at a, from a distance, you you feel in your illustrations we know that you feel the breadth of this problem what do you think from an urban perspective what needs to happen i Grant think basically, i think basically what we need what we need more than anything is we need education to the point where we inform all these local black newspapers about what's happening have a story in there at least once a week or once a month to keep the fire on the folks in Washington. Because it's it's, it's that old, old, old saying, out of sight, out of mind. If you don't if you don't see it, hear it, or smell it, you don't think about it. If it's always in front of you, or if there's always a mention to of it. You know, you got to get filmmakers to start talking about it, making films about it. You got to get writers to start writing about it. You got to get other artists and cartoonists to start, you know, illustrating stuff about it. Because the thing is, is that you got to keep the focus out there. And I really feel and think that the folks down there in Mississippi and Alabama and the other states, you know, let me know basically what you need as far as illustrations and. Uh, uh, something, something to do with the art, and the thing is also that you know I'm not I'm not charging you guys for this stuff. I'm just doing it. So it's about just you know it's not it's not about any money involved. If you guys get ideas and, and things you want to have done, you know, call me up, send them to me. I mean, it's easy to reach me by just picking up the phone and calling me. 
Okay. Uh, thank you very much. I apologize that I got cut off earlier, but uh, but I know somebody would. Pick, I know I had good people on to pick up. Uh, we have about six minutes left. I would like to have a summary, a thought. Uh, for I like to have closing comments, and I'll start with Ms. Jones first. But I, I want to say to you all. I think this conversation has been a lively one and a very uh, one that takes us uh, someplace. And I, I want you all to, uh, by all means, be on that uh, conference Zoom call coming up on Sunday. Uh, let's go first with uh, Ms. Jones. Uh, uh, we have only a few minutes left. Uh, can you kind of tell us, uh, summarize what, what you feel right now? Mr. Lucas, uh, yes, the only thing I have to say is start my life. And if I was on a job and didn't do my job, I got fired. So I think that if you're in a position and you're given a directive of what to do and you don't do it, you should be fired. Okay, and I think you're talking about uh, Tom Vilsap, and I think there are a lot of farmers who feel the same way. Okay, uh, Mr. Taylor, Frank Taylor. Yes, sir. Well, Mr. Luger, I want to thank you for allowing me to be on the call, but however, I think all of us got to work collectively together, the farmers, your organization, and others, to make this thing proactive and make it happen soon, sooner than later. I understand all the strategies, but we are on the clock. And so whatever is required of us collectively to make it happen, that's what we should do. That including all our elected officials, the one in the Black Caucus, and all the others that may support the cause of black farmers, we need to be proactive now to bring this to fruition soon. Thank you very much. Uh, Ramses, got a minute. I just think that whatever you guys need to have me do, I'm out there for it. I mean, I'm 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 actually 100% involved in this. So even though I live in Southern California, I still have to eat, and I still got to eat what you grow. Like I still have to support, you know, the farmers that my family came from farmers back in Arkansas. You know, when the, I guess we lost the land back in the 40s and came out here to California, and only about 10 of them stayed uh, in Arkansas. So you got my support. Thank you. Um, Michael Stovall. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm a little hot because, you know, I've seen so many black farmers die, and that's the reason I'm so hostile, you know, and having a finding of discrimination, I lost $32 million in land and, and, and uh, chicken houses because of discrimination. And I'm so hot because I've seen so many farmers that I locked hands with dead and gone in the struggle, trying to hold on to their land and keep their families together. So we got to step up to the plate and show our face in Washington, D.C., and let them know we're still here and alive. We want to do. We want to do process. We want justice. Thank you. Thank you very much, um, uh, Marty. Um, but, uh, let me say a few words and then let Marty close the show down. Uh, I want to say thanks to all of you all for your candor, 
sharing and putting your emotions uh, right where it needs to be out front. I think that uh, some people will listen to this show and better understand what is going on at USDA, what is going on in Washington, what is going on with our so-called black politicians, but you're not giving the support that needs to black farmers, uh, as well as the black organizations and the community, community-based organizations. I want to say that uh, I am I'm very encouraged by what I've heard and what I'm hearing about what black farmers are ready to do exactly what you all have said, work together and do it quickly and demand that you, the America and this administration solve this problem and do it in a hurry. Uh, Marty, um, I'm going to give you the last word. I want to thank you all for being on yeah, you only gave me about five seconds the last word. You don't want me to talk, do you, Lawrence? <laughs> no. <laughs> Listen, thank you, everybody, for uh, contributing tonight. This has been a good show, and I like hearing honest conversation and not just fluff. Um, and I think everybody spoke their heart. That's important. Whatever you need me to do, Lawrence, to help out, you let me know. I'll do it. Again, thank everyone, you. thank you so much for participating. We'll be back next month unless Lawrence wants to come on sooner. And we'll see everybody then. Thank you, everyone, and good night. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thank you. Thank you.